Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we'd like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into the very first VIP episode. So special, special thank you to everyone listening right now, because all of you have supported me at the highest tier, my VIP tier, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate all of you. Um, So I wanted to create this other tier because, you know... I, I, I say a lot of personal stuff on here and it's, it's very much my outlet. Uh, I, you know, the craving more episode, I, I definitely feel, you know, confident and sharing a little bit more. And, but this tier, you know, the story that I'm going to tell in a few minutes is something that I've wanted to share for a while. You know, it ties into, uh, you know, diet culture, because this is a guy that I met at the gym when I used to work at Equinox. Uh, but I wanted to put it at a, a different tier because it is, it's very different from the regular content that I produce. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do a podcast review on this show. Now in future sh- episodes, I may, I may, you know, some of the, some things that I may do on this VIP tier, I might just do bonus episodes of regular content. Uh, and I, I think I'm going to do weigh-ins and I'm going to do some different things. Uh, there might be some regular shows, but I also wanted to share just deeply, deeply personal things that I just don't want to share on the free show or even at the first level of the, the paywall. So, so I'm assuming that all of you want to hear this kind of content. Uh, I will still put out a big trigger warning because this is going to have, you know, domestic violence, talk, you know, stories about domestic violence that are, you know, they're, they're pretty, uh, you know, I'm going to share graphic details and, and it's, it's not a time and a situation that I'm proud of. I'm really kind of embarrassed that I was ever with a person like this, but I also have enough life experience to know that, this can happen to the best of us, that some of the smartest, most successful people in the world end up in abusive relationships. And, you know, luckily I got out with my life. Uh, and, you know, because of what I do, um, you know, if this, if this can help anyone, fantastic. I think no matter what age we are, you know, I think that there's dangerous people that can come into our lives. And, you know, I because of what I do with my sales job where, you know, I'm selling a relationship club and it's very personal and I I meet a lot of women who and men too, men too, who have been scammed, who have been with, you know, some people that just try to take money from them, but then other like this one woman, she was with a guy that she was going to marry. I mean, she was with this guy for years before she finally agreed to marry him and she uncovered a potential murder plot. And this is a very very successful like healthcare CEO who made a lot of money and you know, she was with a guy for for years before he, you know, she finally discovered his true colors and Thank God, because she probably would not be with us today if she hadn't um, really looked into this guy. So, so I say that because, um, you know, this is a person that I, I was never in a full-fledged relationship with him, 
but I did date him for a good amount of time and, and, you know, paid a, paid a price for it. So, so anyway, I want to kind of, and I wanted to do a three part episode because I wanted to give some back, you know, some background and really start kind of at the beginning. Um, you know, today is Sunday. It's, it's a good day to be kind of recording a, an episode like this. I just got back from Pilates. I, you know, it's, it's helping me kind of be a, have a structured Sunday. So I'm not just gluttonous. Like I was on my last Sunday, I actually got up, made my healthy protein shake, got a good workout in and I'm like, okay, time to take my first VIP episode. All right. So here we go. So, you know, so overall, you know, I grew up choosing healthy relationships, uh, in high school, you know, I had my parents, my dad and, you know, God rest his soul. I've talked about my dad a lot because, you know, all of my kind of gluttonous indulgent side, a lot of it does come from him. Although some from my mother a little bit, she likes her sweets, but, um, you know, my dad at the, you know, when he was younger, he really softened in his older age, but you know, he was an alcoholic when we grew up and he definitely was, you know, somewhat abusive to my mom. I mean, one of my earliest memories is her, you know, crying and, and running into my room to sleep in my bed with me. Cause she, he, he was being, you know, when he was drunk, he would turn into a, a jerk and, you know, I don't know all the details. I know that he like locked her out of her room one New Year's Eve when they were out and she had to like, she was running around in the snow with almost no clothes on trying to find help. I mean, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, I, my dad loved us. I love my dad. My dad was not a perfect guy. And I think, you know, the, the side of me that was wanting a more kind of like take charge kind of guy, I think was because I was, there's still part of me that had some of those daddy issues that was looking for like, you know, a kind of take charge kind of guy. And, and, and that's not to blame anything on my dad. Like we all choose our choices, but I think the way that we grow up, the way that we're shaped does kind of shape sometimes who we choose as partners. Now, I was loved as a child. I felt loved. I know I'm lovable. My my mom, you know, really went out of her way to be very nurturing and also to not, you know, tear my dad down. I mean, she could have said horrible things about him and she never did. She she protected him. She wanted us to have a good positive relationship with him. But I say this because, I mean, I share a lot of my like drinking stories and, and some of the drugs that I've done. And, you know, I, again, I have that kind of party side in me because of, you know, my dad's side. Uh, and he partied a lot. He had always had poker games and was going out drinking with his friends. So I have that kind of side in me. And then I have that softer side that, you know, that side that is, you know, wants that nurturer, wants that, you know, kind, um, loving, you know, safe partner. And so, so throughout high school, I, I feel like I chose well, you know, I always had long-term boyfriends and, and I kind of, you know, in high school and in college, really, I kind of always wore the pants in the relationship. You know, I was kind of like the take charge woman that kind of called all the shots and, and I chose guys that were really good people. Uh, and so, and then let's see. So in, in high school, or I'm sorry, in college is where I met my soon to be husband. It was my last year and, and, and I chose a man, you know, my, my 
ex-husband Pete, again, good, good guy. Um, but he was also someone who had, you know, he was a drinker. He was a partier. Um, he, again, sweetheart, like super, super nice, like wouldn't lay a hand on me. But, um, but you know, he definitely, I mean, I think one of the reasons I, I was attracted to him is because I was in that scene too. My friend Linnell, who is listening to this podcast right now, she's one of my VIP subscribers. So she was my roommate in college and she was dating a guy who was best friends with my ex-husband. And so when I started, when I graduated and started going out in those circles, kind of partying in Boston, uh, I, you know, it was a kind of a, it was a hard partying crew. It, it was my ex-husband, you know, he was, he loved his special K, which is crazy that now special K is like a legal <laughs> drug now. And, and, you know, but he definitely had some problems with that. He was a, a drinker, but I think, you know, in the, in the Boston scene, it was very much like more drug fueled than alcohol fueled. And, and, um, and he, you know, we ended up having, I mean, he was a good, he was a good partner for a while. We, he did end up getting arrested for getting into like a drunken fight. Now, I don't think he started, I think some of his friends started it that he was with on his bachelor party. Uh, and, you know, he was someone that when, so we got married on the East Coast and then I got transferred to California with a big company that I was with, a big weight loss company. And so he came with me. So we got transferred out there. And really, it was a time where it was it was good. It was it was honestly, it was a good thing for us. Now, right before we had gotten married, his dad had died of cirrhosis of the liver. I mean, he I didn't I had no idea his dad was an alcoholic. I remember going over there one day, and I think I've mentioned this on a prior podcast, but his dad, you know, so I knew that alcoholism and that, that this was something that I had to really watch in him. And, and I mean, again, far be it from me. I'm not, I'm no innocent child here. I drank, I partied, I've done my share of drugs, but I always had a line. Like I never took it to the point where it became a real problem. And, and when his dad died of cirrhosis of the liver, I'm like, oh, God, like this is a real something that could be a real problem here with with our relationship. And but but again, he was a good person. He was a hard worker, terrible with money. Um, but he was he was a really kind, good person. And he was really into working out. He, you know, we both that was something that we had in common. We loved working out. We were both really passionate about fitness. Um, at the time we transferred out to California, he was working for a company that he hated. He, he the, the boss that he ended up having when we got to California was just an asshole. So he ended up getting his personal training certificate and ended up becoming a, tr a personal trainer and soon to be sales manager at Gold's Gym in Long Beach. And so, you know, he was, you know, pretty successful there. And I was working at LA Weight Loss, climbing the corporate ladder and, you know, everything was, was pretty good, um, for a little while. And then, you know, you, you definitely saw over time an increase in his drinking. He would like, I don't know. It was like, after we got married, it was like, he couldn't handle his alcohol anymore. 
so he would, he made some friends from the gym and he would go out and he would not come home. And I'm like, where is he? Like, where, where's my husband? (laughs) And, and he would be arrested. He would be arrested for public drunkenness. Uh, and I would have have to go bail him out. And I'm like, this is not going to be my life. Like, I'm not going to be bailing you out of jail. I don't want to be with a partner that, you know, can't control his alcohol or doesn't want to get help. And we did go to some AA meetings together, but I don't know. It was just, I think at that time, the relationship had kind of taken a turn and it was like, I was, I was definitely a little controlling because I, I made the most amount of money. So, and he was so bad with money that like, I remember one time we went towards the end, it was like one of the last weekends we ever went away together. We, I took him to Santa Barbara, like planned this whole weekend for his birthday and he wanted me to buy him a Cartier watch. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm not buying you a Cartier watch. I'm like, like, well, we're going out for a nice dinner. Like, well, and, and I just remember getting into a huge fight with him. And anyway, it just, it just was, became, we were going in two different directions. Um, he had this woman that he was training at the gym that was totally trying to cross the line with him. And I was like, I I just, at the time was, was over it, you know, just having to bail him out multiple times for public displays of drunkenness. I just kind of, I don't know, it made me lose, lose a little zest for our relationship. So, so we, so at this, at all at once, he, we were getting divorced. I ended up losing my job because the company that had transferred me out there was going bankrupt. Like I could see the writing on the wall um, they were making all these horrible business decisions and, and it was affecting us. And we were just like, I saw my paycheck go down, centers were closing. I mean, it was, it was, it sucked. It really was a horrible ending to a company that had been really good to me for many, many years. So, and that was a, you know, and then I had to move. So it was like, all of a sudden I had all this crazy change in my life. I had to go find a new place and I'm living on my own in Los Angeles and I have to find a new job. And, And, you know, and I wanted to do something that I loved, like, because I've always been really passionate. I was in the, in the weight loss industry. So, you know, I was kind of putting my resume out there, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And then I saw this huge billboard for Equinox South Bay that was opening in the, you know, Torrance, Manhattan Beach area in California. And so I was like, oh, what is this? And so I put my resume in. And had a series of interviews. And the the guy that I worked for, this guy Dose, who was just, he, he turned out to be the worst boss I've ever had in my life. He was terrible to us, to the whole company, but also to me in particular. Uh, he, but he, he, he loved me at first. He hired me. We took, had a lot of interviews. He wanted me to go directly into membership sales because I had such a great sales background, but I was like, hell no, I'm not starting at the bottom. Like I have management experience. I have a degree. I have, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I need to start in management. And I wanted to start, I wanted to be a general manager. That's what I wanted to be. And, uh, they were like, no, you need to, well, so at the time there was Equinox South Bay was hiring a general manager and an assistant general manager. And I was up for the job against a bunch of people. Like there were other women and other men that I was up against. They ended up 
hiring this guy, Larry, to be my boss, the, the GM, and then I was his assistant general manager. And the assistant general manager is like the donkey of the club. It's like the operations manager, basically, where you do all the shitty work. It's If I had really known what I was walking into, I would have gone into sales. I, it's just, ugh, it was, it was a horrible horrible job. It's basically what I have to do. Well, it's not exactly what I have to do for grass, but it's it's like managing the operations of grass. Like I I like doing the sales part. I like marketing. I like educating. I like doing all the stuff, but the back end operations fucking blows. It 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 really is. It's I can do it. Like I I can definitely do it cuz I'm a hard worker and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to grow. Usually when, that was my, always my mentality when I got into a company. So I'm like, I can do this. What, you know? But the reality is like when you're in sales, you get all the happy people coming in. You're like excited. You get commission. You're sell, you know, you're selling the dream. You're meeting again, all the happy, motivated people coming in. I had to deal with all the cancellations going out. So Plus the cleanliness of the club. I am like, I'm a disaster in life. I mean, you should see like, thank God Chad, my boyfriend is a clean person because he just tidies up behind me. Thank God. But I'm like, I should never have been responsible, responsible for cleanliness of that club. But anyway, I took the job. So they, so they hired this guy, Larry, to be my boss. Now, Larry and I have really similar experience. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit older than him, but we're pretty much the same age. And he's been a general manager of a gym before, a 24-hour fitness gym, like a very low-end gym. But because he had had specific fitness experience, I think that's really why they gave it to him. Probably also because he's a man, let's be honest, but whatever. So, and then I get put as the assistant. So, so that was kind of the setup. And, and Equinox, I was really excited to work for this company because Equinox has this like great reputation. It's it's an awesome brand. It's, you know, kind of like a sexy celebrity brand. And the gyms themselves, they're beautiful. I mean, they look like W hotels. They're just designed. They're gorgeous. They're clean. They're state-of-the-art, science-based education, like fitness classes, and just the best of the best of everything. So... I felt really lucky to be there and and to get the job and when when we so we were in a in just basically like the club wasn't open yet we they hired me to open this brand new club and we were in a little sales trailer at the time this little like just you know, if you've ever seen a startup, uh, like a, you know, the beginning of a, a business, they usually have like a double wide trailer and they have like salespeople working out of there. And so they had hired the salespeople first. So the salespeople had already like sold a bunch of memberships. And as they kept getting closer and closer to opening, they brought me on so that I could help hire all the operations people and, you know, oversee some of the facilities and, and train and, and do all that good stuff. So, so at this time, you know, I'm, I'm newly divorced. Okay. And I'm in LA and I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm, and I'm ready to like date and ready to, you know, I, I was ready to be single for a little while. Cause I was in a, this like seven year relationship, you know, I was only married for two years, but it was a seven year relationship altogether. And, and now is the time that I'm like, 
okay, like I've been with a bunch of guys where I wear the pants in the relationship and the, you know, the, it's like these nice guys, but like, I want a, a take charge kind of guy. Like I want a guy that comes after me. Like I, and so, so I started this like new dating. I was probably like 28 at the time. And again, like single in LA, I got a, an apartment in this like West LA area. It wasn't the best area, but it was, it was decent and it was safe enough. It was like right on the border of, it was close to where I worked. And so, um, so anyway, I was like, I, I had this girl that I knew from San Diego that she was from the Boston area. And she was like, she was also like this hard partying girl. So I kind of, I kind of dipped back into that world a little bit. Like I kind of took off where I'd left Boston and kind of started partying really hard in San Diego for a little while. And I was driving back and forth every weekend and, and honestly just killing brain cells. I mean, I was just, just doing stuff that like, just, I was doing ecstasy again. I was, um, you know, staying up all hours, going to clubs, going to after hours. It was, oh God, I, I'm so glad I'm not in that world anymore. It was, you know, it was fun while it lasted, but it's also just a, a kind of a grimy, gritty world. But, um, but I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, d- you know, kind of did my thing. I was like seeing what's out there. And, you know, there was a guy named Brandon who was this like really popular kind of DJ guy down there. Super, super nice guy. Like he and him and I kind of had like, him and I like hooked up a little bit. He was just this really nice guy. Didn't really see it going anywhere, but we would exchange numbers and text and it was just always very casual. And so, so anyway, so, but, and I did that. I was kind of like, back and forth from San Diego while I was looking for a job. And I, when I finally got the Equinox job, I stopped going down there. I was like, okay, time to buckle down, time to get more responsible, time to stop, you know, all this crazy partying and, or at least like going down to San Diego and doing ecstasy. I was like done with that for a while. So, and that was actually the last time I really ever did that. I, I, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll, you know, take one very, 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 very rarely. But I mean, MDMA is they're they're talking about legalizing it, and I understand why. I mean, MDMA definitely helped me get out of my shell when I used to be really shy. Uh, I started, you know, I. So I don't know. I, I do see some of the benefits of some of these like psychedelics. Like obviously I love my cannabis, not a huge mushrooms person, but MDMA, I mean, there are therapeutic properties to that. So I'm hoping it gets legalized at some point. Anyway, so, so here I am, I'm just fresh starting to work for Equinox, ready to be that like business professional. And I always was very professional at work. I always, you know, dressed really nice. I mean, LA weight loss, you had to wear a suit. So I had all these professional clothes and, you know, I always had a polished look and, you know, I'm just kind of like, people were always shocked that I was a cannabis user my whole life. Cause I, I'm articulate. I'm a little preppy in my regular life. And people are like, you're a pot smoker. I'm like, yeah, it's like breaking the mold, right? Yes. I use a lot of cannabis and now I'm in the industry. And, but I, but I, but I've always put on this like very professional front at work. And so, but this is the first time though, I have to say, so I worked for the LA weight loss company for a 
a very, very long time. I mean, I was with them for probably seven years as well. And it was all women. So I really never worked in an environment where there were attractive men my age around me. You know, I'd worked at the Roseland restaurant. You know, I worked at like Gap for a little while. Um, I did work as a cocktail waitress at a strip club when I first graduated. Like I was working at the Gap and then I'd cocktail waitress at a at a strip club. And I made a ton of money. The day that I quit was the day that they tried to wear make us wear thongs. I'm like, no, I'm not wearing a thong. Sorry. We, we were able to wear these like professional like skirt shorts, the skorts. But anyway, so I, I had like these different jobs leading up to this. And I, so anyway, so I don't know. I just kind of lost my train of thought there. But getting back to Equinox. So I ended up, you know, starting the job there. And, um, you know, I was excited. I was so, oh, that's what I was saying. I was saying that I'd never really worked with men my age. So yeah, so this is the very, very first time that I'm working in an environment where I'm single, there's attractive men that are my age around me. And, and it was, I was like a kid in a candy store a little bit. I have to say, I was like, so we get, so this is the situation. So Larry's my age and Larry's an attractive guy too. He was my boss. And then, so the people that were in this double wide trailer, Larry was there. He was the boss. Then there were a bunch of salespeople. So one of the people was named Alex. One was named Shirlene. Shirlene was an older lady. She was probably, I don't know. I would guess she was like maybe four, like maybe in her late forties, maybe 50 when she, um, so she, she seemed, I mean, she's like, she's probably my age now, but, um, but I, I think maybe she was in her fifties, early fifties, maybe. And, and then there was Mike. So Mike is Mike. I was like immediately like, Oh, like, who's this? So Mike is really attractive guy. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you his full name. His name is Mike Delson. And this will come up at the end. I, I'm just going to tell you his name in case you want to Google him. He has I'm going to save it till the end. If you end up Googling him, you'll see some of the stuff that I'm going to share at the very end, but I'm going to save it till the end. Anyway, so, so Mike Delson. So Mike is at the time gorgeous, like really handsome guy, tall. He's like probably six, one great body. I mean, just, you know, really muscular, just, you know, just kind of like that, that quintessential kind of like natural, like not a bodybuilder type, but just really strong, like six pack abs, good shoulders, like his nice hair, good teeth, sharp blue eyes, really, really good looking guy. And and of course there's like an immediate attraction between us. He's younger than me. He's, he's probably a couple years younger than me, but but there was definitely like an immediate attraction, but I'm his, I'm technically his boss. Now I'm not directly over him. So the general manager was technically like directly over the salespeople and my direct reports were more like all the other departments, except for personal training. I would oversee like spa and maintenance and kids club and front desk and all these other departments. But when Larry wasn't there, I was, I was the boss of the salespeople too. So 
technically I'm not supposed to cross any lines with dating anybody that works for me. And really dating in the workplace is never a good idea, period. It's just, it gets messy. So, so anyway, so we're, but there was definitely like an instant attraction and, you know, I could just tell that it was going to be a little bit like, Hmm, it's some, it, it made work fun. It did make work fun. Cause like I have this guy that was like flirting with me and, and I mean, too, like people that were around my age, attractive guys, flirtatious. We just had a lot of fun together. It was like a bunch of kids working in the same office together for this gym. It was, it was fun. And now with that, I will say that I did see red flags and, and, and look, I, this is one of the reasons that I'm not proud of being with somebody like this because now I'm at a point where, you know, when I started dating before I met Chad, my current boyfriend, I was like on the hunt for red flags because red flags, they mean something. They're there for a reason. So some of the red flags that he displayed, so they would, so the sales that would come in, basically somebody would call in and a salesperson would own that lead. Well, they had to constantly watch each other because people would, the salespeople, especially some would steal sales from other salespeople. And sometimes they would try to play dumb, but there were times that it was pretty like blatant. And I, we would catch Mike stealing sales from like this older woman that had kids, like Charlene or Charlene, who had children that she still had to support, he would, he would steal, like he, he would be caught like occasionally like stealing sales. And I'd be like, Mike, like why, like this is Charlene's sale. He'd, and he'd, he'd try to play dumb or try to play it off. Or sometimes he'd like fight for it. And, and I could just tell like, okay, this is not a team player. This is not someone who is super honest. Like he, he looks like he's trying to lie in some of these and he would get caught in some lies around this, this issue of stealing sales. And, you know, I, I, I just, I'm like, that's not a good quality. Like, why would you take money from someone that has to support children? You know, you're this like single guy. And so, you know, so there was definitely some, some red flags. He would also come in smelling like booze sometimes. Like, I mean, he, it wasn't often, but you could definitely tell like he was, he was a drinker. Um, and, but nothing too crazy yet. I mean, he had just started, so he was definitely on his best behavior, but, but definitely like some of those things were, were red flags. Absolutely. But despite the red flags, I could not, like, there was, there was a definite, like, chemical attraction between us. And, you know, being single, being in this new environment, it was, it was really hard for me to say no to that. And the very first time we hooked up, so the, it's a little fuzzy. I I do remember we had a, there was an event at the Shade Hotel and Shade Hotel in Manhattan Beach is this beautiful, beautiful, high-end boutique uh, hotel that we had a partnership with. And I'll never forget, I, I still have the dress that I wore. I bought this Marciano dress, with these Marciano shoes. It was the most expensive dress I'd ever bought in my life and most expensive shoes I'd ever bought in my life. 
And I, and let me just say, I looked hot. Like I did. I looked really good in this, in this dress this night. And so I went in feeling like a million bucks and, and drank way too much, way too much. Now with, with this, so I could tell that Larry wanted to like cross a line with me. I could tell my boss wanted to hook up with me and he had a girlfriend, like he had a girlfriend that I knew she was like the sweet, gorgeous girl that he totally took for granted. Later, you'll find out that Larry is a pervert who hooked up with many of his staff. But I could, I, I already knew that he was attracted to me and that he was definitely trying to cross a line. And I kind of felt this, almost like this expectation of people around us that they expected us to just be together. And I, I was really like in my, in my brain, like bucking that idea. I'm like, no, I don't want to be with Larry. Like I, I, I like Mike. And even though it wasn't appropriate because he works for me. But anyway, so we, so Larry had gotten a room and I, I, there wasn't an expectation that I was going to stay overnight. I think I was planning on going home, but all I remember is I remember we drank, we all drank way too much. We were hammered. And Mike and I just started making out at one point. And I remember there was this moment where it was like, I was either going to leave with the group or I was going to leave with Mike. And I'm like, I'm going with Mike. <laughs> I was like, fuck it. I'm like, I, I want this to happen. I wanted to hook up with him. I'm like, and I was drunk and I was feeling myself and I'm just, I'm going for it. So, so all I remember is waking up the next morning in in bed with Mike and Larry is in the next bed in the next in in the same room like apparently like Larry had gotten the room he was letting Mike stay with him and Mike and I had ended up in the next bed now this is our boss we work for him and it was just this really dysfunctional like situation but I think Larry had thought that we had just drunkenly made out the night before, but I woke up still drunk and I hadn't even, I didn't even really remember hooking up with him. And I was still obviously attracted to him. So we just start hooking up again, like in the next bed next to Larry. So Larry's just like, what the fuck? Like, um, hello, I'm here and this is not appropriate. And you're, you guys aren't supposed to be hooking up. Meanwhile, I think Larry was just jealous because I think Larry wanted it to be him that was hooking up with me. But, uh, it was, it was Mike and I. So, so from that point on, Mike and I kind of started this like secret relationship and we, and you know, we, Larry obviously knew about it, but we were very much hiding it at work or trying to hide it at work. And, you know, and we had some good times, like I'll never forget. We went out to this, he took me to this like private little beach place in Laguna. Now this is also where I, <sighs> The, the power of the ocean. So we had gotten to this little area and the tide started coming in and we had to like rush out of there because the water literally like slammed us into the rocks. We, and like all my stuff got wet. I mean, it was crazy, but we, you know, we started kind of seeing each other and, you know, people definitely kind of knew at work. Like I, I could tell that there were just some whispers about us and, you know, people, people, people talk, right? And, and you couldn't, you, you can't, I don't know, when there's an attraction and people are hooking up, you, a lot of people can tell. So, so we had good times together at the beginning, but it was also, 
it was, they were always alcohol fueled days. Like we, we drank so much together. And, and again, I, I think because of the red flags I had seen with Mike, I never really considered that we would be like some serious relationship. I think I felt, I felt a little bit of FOMO, meaning like I knew once the club opened and, or this is, this was the fear I created in my head. I had created this fear that when the club opened, all these members, all these gorgeous, successful members and trainers and everybody's going to see Mike and they're going to want him and I'm going to lose him and I need to hook up with him now. And so I had this almost like fear of missing out of a relationship or something with Mike. But at the end of the day, like I knew he wasn't really a good person just because of some of the stuff I had seen. And at the end of the day, I want... I. I wanted the full package. If I was going to be with somebody, I also wanted somebody that was like the full package. So I, I never really thought that it would become anything, but I was just having fun. I was just going with it. I was going with the flow. I was following my hormones, right? It was, that's really what it is. My, whatever that's called, like the pheromones. I was just very attracted and couldn't say no. It was like a drug. So, so we, we, things were, Things were okay. We opened the club, you know, and, and Mike continued to be, you know, Mike, people hated Mike. Mike would be such a jerk sometimes. Like people, a lot of people grew to like not really be able to stand Mike because he was so emotional and he would, he would get angry and he would, you know, he would just be very drama filled. Plus he would steal sales. So people would just get sick of him that were on the sales team with him. Um, but so here's where it all started going downhill. So, so it was an open club at the time and we had this big event and partnership with BMW and it was a, it was a member and staff event. So, so we had, there was this girl that was working at BMW that we had a good relationship with. She was kind of friendly with us. Uh, and, and, and Larry and I, cause we were the general managers of the club, we would always be the ones that were kind of like establishing these, these partnerships and relationships. And then, then we would have big events together and it would be members and some of the salespeople and trainers and everybody would come now, probably not a good idea to allow drinking <laughs> the staff to drink, but they did. And yeah, so, so basically what happened is you know, my job is to network with the members. So I was chatting with the members and chit-chatting and with men and women. And Mike ended up seeing me talking to this male member. He was drunk. He flew into this huge drunk rage. I've never, I mean, it was out of control. I was, he just like grabbed me and pulled me and started shoving me and just being like, incredibly crazy and violent and it just like he like he's gone like if you looked at his eyes it was almost like you know like those shark eyes like just he was it was gone and he was just on a rampage the the BMW teams ended up seeing him like throw me into these like trash cans and I and again some of the details are fuzzy but I remember Larry just trying to get us out of there. He like threw us into the car and, and he had this brand new BMW and that he'd gotten from that dealership that we had the partnership with. And I just remember Mike 
going out to the front of it so pissed and he just like took both his hands and slammed it on the front of the car and Larry was so pissed all I remember is he threw both of us out of the car and he's like you're on your own and just left us there and because he and I just I'll I'll just I distinctly remember thinking oh like he cares way more about his car than he does about the safety of his team because <laughs> like he just saw Mike basically throw me around like a rag doll and he's just abandoning us and and the night proceeded to continue to be violent I honestly like can't even remember how the night ended I just remember that Mike continued to rage I was covered in bruises the next day, like just covered. And it was a nightmare. Like, you know, our regional manager had to start an investigation. He, you know, he pulled everyone aside. He's like, you know, it has been reported that Mike put hands on you. And he was actually, the BMW team said that he actually threw you into trash cans. And, and I was just, so embarrassed and so ashamed and horrified and all the feelings you can feel. And I was, I was in protection mode. I felt, I felt like I needed to protect Mike and I'm like, no, that never happened. He would never do that. And I tried to protect him, but when, what ended up happening is Mike got fired. I, nothing happened to me. I probably should have been fired too. But I wasn't. They ended up protecting me and firing Mike. And um, and I think it was really Larry that, that helped protect me. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously they could have, they would have found out. I mean, they probably did find out that Mike and I had been seeing each other and that we, but I mean, that's something that they've had to deal with many times. I mean, they work at a gym full of, you know, good looking people that are all the same age. They, they've had, this has happened before, right? Relationships do happen at work in any in any business. But when like a whole high end event in front of members goes to hell and one staff member is literally like being violent towards another staff member and it's witnessed and, and it was just honestly like, you know, my, my whole staff knew about it. It was so embarrassing. It was horrible. I was like, so hiding, like I don't know how I showed up to work the next day, but I did. I showed up and I just plugged along. And But the reality of what that did with Mike and I's relationship is I felt completely guilty. You know, I felt like it was my fault that if I had never started this relationship, that this would never have happened, that, you know, I crossed the line and I was the manager and I should have known better and, you know, all this, all of these things, I, now at the time, I didn't know that if, because after this event, shortly after they started doing background checks on all the staff, they didn't do it before they did it on management, but they never done background checks on like salespeople and trainers. And they started doing it after this event. I don't know if this specifically sparked it. But lo and behold, you know, if they had done a background check on Mike, uh, he never would have gotten hired. He had a criminal background. He, like, little did I know that this was, like, par of the course for him, that he had a huge history of getting drunk at jobs and getting fired and doing crazy things. 
And he was facing a potential felony charge for almost murder, almost killing somebody in the past. And I had no idea of this. All I knew is that I had done something wrong. I had crossed a line. I had let my attraction to this guy get in the way of this great career I wanted to have. Like I want, I knew I wanted a, a, a long, a successful career with this company, and I couldn't believe that I had put it at risk to just hook up with this stupid guy. And and also when I had seen red flags, I think that's also why I was kicking myself. But now I'm like, I felt kind of stuck. Like I I felt stuck. I felt bad. I mean, I still obviously had feelings for him. But I also was like, I, it was such a confusing emotion because like he had, he had basically like not, not, that wasn't the night that he, it, it gets worse, but you know, that's the first time that he had ever laid hands on me. But I also felt like, oh, like it's my fault. Cause I was talking to a male member and we shouldn't have been drinking and we shouldn't have been hooking up in the first place and all this stuff, you know, I think a lot of. A lot of women, I mean, I'm always somebody that wants to be accountable for my part in anything. Uh, and 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 I think women just in general, we're more empathetic. We look to see what our fault in things were. But at the end of the day, like I need to give myself grace because, you know, this is a dangerous person who had a long track record and is manipulative as fuck. Like he was definitely a manipulative person. So, you know, I definitely am not blaming him for me deciding to move forward with him and, and to, to do what I did. But, um, but I also don't put all the blame on myself because I think that he is someone that, you know, again, is, is kind of a master manipulator and, you know, and you'll, you'll hear it through some of the, some of the other stories that I tell about him. So, uh, so anyway, so that's the start of the downfall of Mike Delson and, and, and us, but it's not over for us, right? We, we did keep seeing each other, but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse because, you know, he was, he was in this really, really bad place. He was depressed because of all this and, you know, he felt like he lost a good job. And again, here I am feeling responsible for all of it. Um, and so I just, ugh. now this is 2000, this is 2008. This was the, this was the housing crisis, right? This is when all the shit went down. And, and Mike had this, like, this condo he had paid 800 grand for in Irvine he was also in the process of losing this condo. So I think that was part of it too. Like he had made a lot of money in his life. He came from a wealthy family. Um, he kind of like, you know, he impressed me at the beginning, like in the beginning when everything was like butterflies and he's, you know, he'd show me like the Getty building and be like, my dad was the architect of that or help build that or something. Like he had this, you know, this really wealthy family that he came from that, also, I think had a dark side and I'll, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but, um, but he had this, he, he would tell me all these stories of all these, this impressiveness. And, you know, he, he had put like, I think he had put like a really significant down payment. I think he had done like the 20% down. So he had put like what, like almost 200 grand down on it, but it's an $800,000 condo with a variable interest rate, right? Remember when all that happened and in those years, 2008, when the crash happened. 
So he he was also in the process of losing this, which I, I didn't know at the time. Uh, but I think that also led to this like behind the scenes stress that was going on in his life. And so, so there was a lot happening with him and probably why he had a lot of anger inside him. I also have a hypothesis of why he had some anger and I'll share this in a story. So in part two, which I'm going to do next month, I'll be talking about some of the traumatizing events that I had with him leading up to the night that he almost murdered me. And, uh, you know, there was, I had a, I had this hypothesis that he might be secretly gay. Uh, I have a huge history of thinking most of the guys that I've dated have, might have a gay side. And, And the reality is I think everybody has a little bit of gay in them. I think we're starting to come into this world where everyone's a lot more fluid, but I had this hypothesis because of some of the actions he would take when he was really, really drunk, which again, I'll, I'll talk about in my next episode. But I was always like, is, is that why he's angry? Does he have this like gay side that he can't express? Like, what is this darkness in him? Anyway, so I'll share some of those stories and, and some of the, like, this is kind of the background, how it all began and the start of the downfall. And so next, next month I will share part two and I hope that all of you aren't triggered too much. But uh, again, if if this helps anyone, I hope I hope I hope all of you have never been through any type of domestic violence. But it, again, it happens to all kinds of people, and I just hope that like it's something that I feel like I would never. I mean, I feel like I know red flags to look for now. Um, and again, it's it's one of the reasons that when I started dating again, that kindness, a good person, someone I felt safe with was so, so, so important to me. So, so anyway, so thank you all for subscribing to my VIP level. If you have any feedback, if you have any ideas for what you want to see on this VIP um, subscription level, please let me know. Uh, this first story will be a three-part series and then I'll, I'll switch to some other things. So feel free to DM me at the Diet Obsessed, uh, at the Diet Obsessed podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can go check out my website, thedietobsessed.com. I'm on Facebook, The Diet Obsessed. So lots of ways to contact me. But again, thank you so much for your support. And I will look forward to putting out more VIP shows soon.